welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Happy summer. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am super excited for our episode today. We have Maria, who is a functional nutritionist. She's a wealth of information about food and nutrition and our bodies and how all that can help us fight off all sorts of things. So you're going to want to listen in. It's a little bit of a long one, but everything she says is just spot on. And she has a bunch of really cool resources that we can all tap into. So I'm super excited for this episode. The whole time, all I wanted to do was just sort of hop across, beam across the country because she's in San Francisco and I'm in Boston to her kitchen and video it for you guys because I know she's a really fun cooking teacher as well. Um, and it would be really fun to to see that. So someday, that, that's a pipe dream. So yesterday, if you're listening to this when it goes live, we started the calendar cleanse. If you're in it, then hopefully you're doing your little task every day and really getting to a place of clarity and space and time around making space for food and health in your life. I'm super excited about this free challenge. If you're not involved yet, you can do one of two things. You can hop on over to the private Facebook group and just sort of watch and observe when you can. I know it's summertime, so we're not all thinking about our busy calendars quite yet. And if not, I think I'm going to run it again in September. So you'll have another opportunity. But it is really an amazing amazing little program that's happening, a little gem. So I'm really excited to see what happens with this round. And then make sure to tune in and I will tell you about the next one. And I don't really have any more announcements today. Coming up, there's going to be so much goodness happening as we ramp into September. And I have a really, pretty much the most exciting project that I have ever worked on is coming. It's coming soon. And I might even tell you guys a little about it on next week's podcast. And I'll certainly keep telling you a little bit more and a little bit more um, as we get closer. But think think an easy tool for scheduling. It's going to be awesome. And I'm super excited. So keep tuning in for that. But today our episode is kind of lengthy. So I want to hop on over and let's chat with Maria. We have an exciting guest on the episode who knows a lot about food, which is my favorite kind of person to talk to. Um, We have Maria Quintana Pilling on the line, and she is just, I've been, I've seen her do one of her cooking classes in action, and she's going to be a wealth of information. So I'm super excited to jump in. So welcome to the show, Maria. Hi, Mia. Thank you so much for having me. And what do you call, are you, you're, you're sort of a chef, but you're also a health cook. What are you? What do you call yourself? I, I call <laughs> myself um, these days, I call myself a functional, uh, oh my gosh, um, functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner. And Got a it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. and, you be, and you're doing a lot of live cooking classes and working with people and really helping them change their, the way they cook, right? 
Right. I do do um, a lot of cooking classes. I do cooking classes in person and then I um, an online cooking right. class too. Cause yeah, I think cooking um, is so essential to health. I mean, it's like the foundation. Yeah. And something I didn't learn till kind of late. So tell us, how did you get into all this? Have you always been into healthy eating? Have you always, has cooking always been a part of your life and your childhood or is it a new, a newer thing? Yeah, no, it hasn't. It's, it's been a newer thing. Um, I mean, I've always really enjoyed food and I, I would call myself a foodie. I would always call myself a foodie like post-college. Um, I enjoyed going to restaurants and trying new foods. Um, restaurants mainly, but I wasn't really much of a cook, even though I wanted to. I mean, we would have, I think my friends and I had a dinner club that we tried to do every month. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. But and but I, w- I wasn't, you know, it was just experimenting, trying things. But I, and I always wanted to learn about food and herbs and spices and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I guess I was in foreshadowing what I was going to be doing, not knowing that I was going to do it. And so how how did you learn? Well, I um, had some health issues. I had, I was diagnosed with fibroids um, in my 30s, in my mid to late 30s. And um, they went from one, it went from one the size of a pea to 12. um, Oh my gosh. Just like a full fruit basket, like a grapefruit, an orange, strawberries, grapes, everything. Um, so that's when I kind of got hit on the head, like you need to figure out what's going on. And my sister suggested looking into food and nutrition. So I was like, Oh my gosh, that's really smart. So, um, so I did. And that's where I started. I started cooking at home, um, sort of like what you did. Like I just kind of uh-huh. got a clue that I couldn't be eating out every day, um, I was single and living alone, you know, um, like that's just not how, um, I would live a healthy life. So I started cooking. And did it work? Did the food part work? Did that help your fibroids? Well, you know, I think I, I, it it definitely made me feel better, but the Mm -hmm. fibroids were so big. Like I said, they had a fruit basket and one was the size of a grapefruit. I think I had reached a point where I, um, I needed to do more and mm-hmm. I was doing the food thing, but I didn't really understand it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would, you know, I tried to do the gluten-free, um, dairy-free, uh, but I wasn't a hundred percent truthful <laughs> with mm-hmm. it. And I cheated a lot and then I thought it really wasn't making a difference. So it, it didn't, I, I, I'm not one of those, Oh, I, I changed my food and it made a huge difference like right away that wasn't my story and that I think that's how I help other women realize um you know the nuances like it's for some people it just works like they give up gluten and everything goes away but for Mm -hmm. other people it's more nuanced where it's just not the gluten or they're having trouble giving up the gluten and that's preventing them from from getting better got it and so what was your sort of point where you really took took your food seriously as or, or is is that part of your thing that you that you do now? I mean, I think it is, right? Um 
Yeah, no, now I do take it seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what kind of caused that to happen? I, was it kids? Was it before that? It was before kids. It was, so, so my fibroids were a fruit, I had a fruit basket mm -hmm. and um, then the doctors kept saying it was, they weren't a big deal. It was common. They're benign. And then um, it's like, oh, you have a fruit basket, Maria, you need surgery. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, what? Um, and it was, and, and then I had the surgery and it was afterwards that I was like, okay, that was not fun. This is not fun. I'm not doing this again. Um, I need to, I need to really figure it out. And that's when I had a epiphany that I was going to, um, quit my finance job and start a deli cafe <laughs> and really learn about, um, nutrition and healthy eating and preparing foods correctly. Um, so I quit my job to study um, nu culinary nutrition, uh, and cool. that's kind of where it went from there. Did you start a cafe? No, but you helped a lot. Did you start a cafe? <laughs> no, because no, I didn't. Because I um, got married and pregnant, and then you know, life. Yeah. Well, and that's so amazing that you got pregnant, right? Because isn't don't fibroids don't they fight that or no? They do, and that was one of the reasons I had the surgery was because it had grown so large that yep. it was likely that it would crowd out any embryo. Yep. Um, so, and then they would grow even bigger during pregnancy because of all of the blood flow. So, Got it. Um, with them cleared out, I think it kind of opened up Space. a lot of room. <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> um, but I did kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of, it was a surprise to me. Um, cause I kind of was like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm, it'll probably be, it'll probably be really hard for me to get pregnant was kind of mm. my attitude, but it turned out that it wasn't. So, so yeah. Good. That's cool. Um, so, okay. So fast forward a little bit. So now you know a lot about food. <laughs> um, and so tell me a little bit about your food philosophy. Like I, I know that you talk a lot about gluten and dairy or, or a lot of the things you teach are gluten and dairy free, but where, where does that come from? And, you know, what are your favorite thing? Like, what do you feel like is important that we eat or how do we figure that out from your perspective? Yeah. Um, that's a really interesting question. I get that a lot. And my answer usually is, um, it all depends on the person and yep. depending on who I talk to, they're like, Oh yeah. Or they're like, what? <laughs> um, so it, it really depends on the person because we're all um, different. Our bodies are different and react to foods differently. So, um, you know, I don't have one food philosophy like paleo or um, raw food or anything like that that I follow because I just feel like everyone needs to kind of create their own um, yeah. philosophy for their body. Um, and I also so like feel I like we have different, do you feel like we have different seasons in our life too? Like, I feel like, you know what I, like I actually went through a stage where I felt super good eating raw vegan and then <laughs> that in full disclosure sort of ended. Plus I was balancing it with kids and like trying <laughs> to figure out how they fit in. And I just feel like there's different times when our bodies and even in a year where our bodies need different things. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. We, um, I totally agree with that. I was raw vegan for um, a while too. And I thought it was, I was in heaven, like this is perfect. And then um, I realized that it wasn't really the 
the thing for me um, right then. Because for a lot of for a lot of yeah. reasons but yeah <laughs> it's a lot of work too so it so can is we a lot of work. so can we yeah. dive into a little bit of the gluten and the dairy part um and uh, i guess a little bit about your beliefs in that but also if that's something that one wants to try sort of how you go about that from a, a culinary perspective yeah uh, sure um so gluten and dairy are probably the most common um food allergens for, for people. Um, so I generally recommend that people go gluten and dairy free. And I would say 99% of the time people feel a big difference when they go gluten and dairy free. Mm-hmm. Um, gluten more than dairy, like some, some people can, um, get away with eating like really high quality dairy and, um, you know, there's like the Weston A. Price Foundation um, Nourishing Traditions type diet is very heavy on high quality dairy. So um, it does have its benefits, obviously, especially like the fermented type. Mm-hmm. But gluten, um, I find that most people that go off gluten just feel better. And it might not be a very obvious better. It might mm-hmm. take a while for your body to... Um, for you to notice the differences in your body, but a lot of people who have, you know, and, and, and it's curious when I work with someone in there, like I can't eat all these really strange, not strange foods, but very common healthy foods they can't eat. And, and I'm like, do you eat gluten? And they're like, well, yeah, that doesn't affect me. And I'm like, mm, why don't you stop the gluten and then see if you can eat all these other foods that you should be able to eat. And they noticed that it was the gluten that was affecting them, not all these other foods that they thought. And I find a lot of times I hear, well, I mean, I think you mentioned it before when you first did the gluten-free, how you didn't take it seriously. I I personally feel like dairy is a little different in that regard. Like I feel like dairy is something that if somebody sneaks in once, it doesn't mess up the whole thing. I could be wrong about that, but gluten really is kind of an all or nothing thing. If you're going to test it, right? Like a little bit of gluten does the same as a lot of gluten. Is that right. true? Right. So, and then the other thing I find a lot of people report back on, and I have been gluten free for eight years, so I haven't tested this cause I just feel really good. But um, a lot of times people say that maybe they don't notice it as much when they take it out, but then the second it comes back in, they mm-hmm. notice that that makes them feel like foggy or tired or mm-hmm. groggy or different. Yeah, um, it's it, it, like I said, it's different for everyone. But yeah, a lot of times it's not. Well, it's funny, we can feel sick. And then as we gradually get better, we kind of forget how sick we felt. Yeah. So we don't connect um, what we're eating with how we felt until we reintroduce it and it makes us feel sick again. So sometimes it's good to reintroduce it so you can get that connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, But right, the people, I was just talking to a client who doesn't feel for dairy um, she's somehow, she took a test, like a blood work test or an allergy test that said dairy was a problem, but mm-hmm. she says she doesn't feel it. So I was explaining mm. to her, like the people who feel it right away are the lucky ones because they know, like it's yep. so obvious, but a lot of us are affected by it and we don't know. It's just like kind of creeping along 
affecting us and we start to get a little foggy brained or we start to get like runny noses and we don't really realize that it's because of the dairy. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I got rid of my seasonal allergies when I gave up dairy. Yeah. Um, And I would have never put those two things together. And I actually just thought I was like genetically allergic. (laughs) You know, like I just thought that that's how you were. Like I didn't realize, I had no idea that was at all in my control. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that it is for everybody, but that definitely was like a big thing that went, like it was a huge thing that went away from me because I took a lot of medicine actually to not have poofy gross watery eyes and nose all the time right um so yeah it's super super interesting um all right so and if somebody does need to or wants to try going gluten free like what are your favorite strategies to share or even just your top strategy to share for making that feel okay and easy and not totally overwhelming like, do you have any food you recommend? Um, well, for gluten-free, um, if you're going to go gluten-free, I would say go gluten-free and not necessarily grain-free. Because if you go mm-hmm. if you go grain-free, then it gets really hard and you get, you know, really pissed off at whoever suggested it to you. <laughs> um, yeah. Because that's, that, I think those are two different things so you can easily replace gluten with like brown rice or quinoa Mm -hmm. um and and you know even pastas you could have like gluten-free pastas even though it is processed but still Mm -hmm. to kind of like move yourself away from it Mm -hmm. I think doing it gradually uh is a good idea if that's the type of person you are if you're like I can go cold turkey no problem with things then you can go grain-free if you wanted to but um, that's what I would recommend is just going off the obvious gluten thing, mm-hmm. um, and keeping other grains in your diet. And then, uh, as you kind of reshape your palate and your taste buds and your eating style, you can gradually go, um, you know, into what, um, the non-obvious gluten foods. Um, so some of the grains that, you know, are cross contaminated with gluten, um, you what would those be? Those. Well, like, um, oats and barley. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Oats and barley, I think are the, are the main yeah. popular ones. Does barley it, not have, does it not naturally have gluten? I always thought it just had gluten, but it doesn't. I don't think it naturally has gluten now. Okay, so it's a cross-contamination thing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have a daughter who has celiac, so we're pretty careful about, I mean, we just don't have those things. But um, I do find gluten-free oats from time to time. Yeah, and when when you have like an autoimmune condition um, like celiac or Hashimoto's or something, that's when, you know, you can do the gradual... Um, release of gluten food Mm -hmm. but that's when you really want to get to um, even possibly being grain free because that could be really affecting you as well so it's individual and everyone has to kind of test it out for themselves but um, that's when it's important to really know where the hidden hidden sources of gluten are because it can be it's in a lot of things that people don't realize it's in um, it could be on your gum it's like the powdery stuff that makes it not sticky, it's on a lot of candies. Um, yep. 
you know, it's in a lot of condiments. Yep. It's, it's in yeah. a lot. It's kind of scary it's, once you get out there and realize <laughs> what it's in. Right. right. And it's then in a lot. for adults, food. it's in a lot of alcohol. It's in alcohol. And then it's in a lot of um, like cosmetic products and yeah. lotions and shampoos and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. It is. Yeah, I had to, my, the celiac daughter is also in a lot of like, she's an actress of sorts. I mean, she's only 11, but um, what she's always done is be in plays. And so from a very early age, she would have to put makeup on, on the performance mm-hmm. night. And that was like one of my big, like shocking moments where I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't believe foundation has gluten in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a couple of years ago before there was a lot of gluten-free makeup brands popping up and it was kind of hard to find for a minute and. I just had no idea. Yeah. And I had, you, I had been doing did, the gluten-free food for a long time. Did you notice it made a difference for her? Was well, it obvious? Not so much. So I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, I caught it before I went and bought it. But somebody luckily, you know, said that to me the day I said something to somebody that I was, you know, had to go, get, couldn't believe I had to go buy my daughter $70 in makeup. I probably said it on Facebook or something. Right. And immediately people were like, well, which gluten-free version do you use? And I just like, I hadn't even like, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how it affects her because I didn't test it but at that moment that is when I started to like be really careful about everything so I, I hadn't paid as close attention to like body cream and shampoo and you know stuff like that which I do right. now right and, and that's really to. and that's that's an interesting point because some people who uh, may have tried to go gluten-free with food um, and they don't know like the nuanced foods like the condiments and other things to be looking for or even the lotions and stuff that could be affecting them and preventing them from feeling um a hundred percent better or you know like really noticing the difference so um yeah that's really and i also i like i speak at a number of gluten-free events um and one of the things I know, and it's somewhere that sometimes, especially as I've been on this book tour that I've taken my daughter, just because I think it's fun to have a playground where you could eat everything if you wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But on the first day, she was like, Oh, my God, Mom, I feel so sick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I think you didn't even mention include in your list any of the processed gluten free stuff. But I feel like that's also another big myth or thing that comes up is that a lot of the, you know, breads and baked goods you know they're getting better and better and healthier and healthier but a lot of them are filled with a lot more crap to make them seem like a piece of bread um than even their wheat counterparts you know right absolutely and again they they some of them are grains and so the someone who's who who has celiac is more sensitive to to grains in general and so even if it's gluten-free grain it's still not um, necessarily, um, good for her. And then, right. It's processed. So it's not, um, you know, the grain could not be prepared in a way that her body can digest it. Um, we talk a little bit more about the grains, like the other grains. Do you know about why with autoimmune diseases that the other grains that don't necessarily, is it just across by nature of cross contamination or is there's actually something about grains that makes Um, them harder to digest? Yeah, I think grains in general are harder to digest because um, grains and um, legumes 
have a natural um, protective barrier on them Mm -hmm. for survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And it uh, allows, you know, in the, in the wild for an animal to eat uh, the food and not, and have the seed or grain go through the digestive system and come out intact so that it can grow um, into whatever, a tree or whatever. Interesting. Um, So that protective barrier is called um, phytate, I think. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we're eating grains, if it's not prepared properly and that's like um, either soaked or sprouted, Mm -hmm. then some um, people's bodies have a more difficult time breaking that down or we're not getting uh, uh, the nutrients we need Mm -hmm. from, from that food and um, it, it just isn't able to be processed fully in the body. So interesting. Yeah. It's so yeah, it's cool, and it's interesting because um, you know my daughter, who the middle one who has the autoimmune, she definitely gravitates more. She actually really likes fruit. Fruit is important to her digestion working. But if I were to label her tendency toward anything, it would definitely be more in the paleo direction. I know not all fruit is paleo, mm-hmm. um, but she definitely craves the the animal protein, whereas when I started on this, like that was the, that was the thing that I, you know, after the dairy and the gluten, as I was like getting more nuanced, it was the animal protein that like my body just didn't need it. It didn't want it. So I've played a bit with uh, gluten-free, like with quinoa and gluten-free grains. And I do eat a a lot of legumes. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting to see like, you know, I actually don't like mixing the two. Like, or I mean, I do from time to time for sure, but but if I'm really focused on feeling my best, I do better if I have lots of veggies and some quinoa or legumes and lots of veggies, but not mixing the two. So it's it's interesting how like nuanced you can get. But the animal protein, I just find like, it makes me angry for some reason. <laughs> like mm-hmm. after I, if I eat it, because I have tried to eat it from time to time mm-hmm. over the past, you know, eight years since I did all this. But it's, it's so interesting how we're all so different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And that. Um, yeah, digesting proteins is, um, also one, probably one of the most difficult things for our bodies to do. And that, mm-hmm. um, um, so people that have trouble, that don't enjoy, um, animal proteins usually mm-hmm. have a difficult time digesting. digesting them. So that's, um, you know, another clue that your body's giving you that, that that's something that you could, that you could work on. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk a little, let's dive into, because actually you, there's two things that we talked about before we hit record, <laughs> um, and I feel like they're a little related, but talk. let's talk a little bit about eating balanced meals, especially as a family, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because one of the things that I talk a lot about, because I practiced it for a long time, in as I, now it's clear, like, you know, my daughter likes animal protein, I don't, I like lots of veggies, it definitely takes took some effort to get my kids to like veggies as much as I do and all that. And so you shared that you made this um, thing that we'll share later, everyone had to get about quinoa bowls. But the idea of making bowls was super helpful to us in like rebalancing how we looked at a a plate of food. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about, about eating balanced meals and what that looks like. And especially 
with that lens. Well, and uh, you know what? We I never asked you. No one, no one knows yet. Is tell us who your kids are. How old are they? Oh, I have um, one one son. He's yep. seven, um, and his name is Dylan. Cool. So, so you've experienced. So, like, you have the experience of feeding yourself and and I, getting your son to eat. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't have one of those, um, you know, <laughs> kids who like eats broccoli and smiles. Yeah. Um, no, I. So it's a challenge. It is a challenge. So, um, so, so bowls. It is probably where I've got the idea. Is how I kind of feed him food is um and you know i know eventually this needs to stop because he's seven and he should i should stop babying him but what i usually do is i he eats all the same food that we eat yep but i usually serve it to him in a bowl and okay. it's um with some sort of um gluten-free grain so yep. like rice or quinoa and i um put the the protein in and then the veggies and I usually cut up the veggies and depending on his mood, the veggies have to be smaller or I can get away with bigger. Um, so that just makes it easy for me to get in the veggies. My favorite way to get veggies in to him is pestos (laughs) because he Mm -hmm. loves them and Mm -hmm. I can throw like kale in there and you know, he just eats cilantro. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He'll eat it if it's in the pesto style. I love that. I love that. Well, and I think, I I don't know. I feel like uh, we talk a lot of, I mean, because you're a chef, like you're a cook by nature, even though you know all about the health side of it. And we talk a lot about like, you know, cutting our food, the food smaller and not wanting to do that. But I don't know, like if you go to a super fancy restaurant, like everything is cut with pretty good care and I'm not saying that mom should be in the kitchen cutting everything like that every day mm-hmm. but culinarily <laughs> it is like appealing to have like cubes of stuff or shredded veggies that are easy to eat you know what I mean and I feel like, and they taste good that way and sometimes mm-hmm. they cook better like in a more like palate appealing way um so I kind of I love that like I I I, I don't know I don't think there's anything wrong with cooking, like ha- cutting things small, just because I, I think it actually is more humanly appealing, even to a not picky adult. Well, no, absolutely. You wanna you wanna cut it into bite sized pieces so that it yeah. doesn't. It's not so difficult to eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, with Dylan, I I actually I cook it the regular way, and then I'll cut it up after. Yeah, <laughs> and got, <so> it. <laughs> got it. Depending on his mood and my mood. Um, yeah. Well, and the thing that we do at our table with rice bowls and why it sort of saved us was what I'll do is it's a little bit more dishwashing at the end, but then I figured out that my kids could wash dishes, which was really a cool thing to note, (laughs) to notice, to know. Um, And so I put like, I'll put three different veggies in different small bowls. Like I'll treat it kind of like an Asian restaurant, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so I'll put three different veggies in three different bowls and a grain and some sort of protein. And then that way, if there's an animal protein and that's not what I want, I'll just have the grains and the three veggies. Or, you know, if I have like one very adventurous eater, one middle and one not so, but I find that that being able to serve yourself um, into a bowl and me modeling it has really made a big impact on them 
eventually over time eating more. So it's like a patience thing. So it's like, and I found that at the beginning when I was sacrificing what I was eating, I was a mess. Like I was a, I was a hot mess because I knew that food made, you know, like I'm a much happier, better person when I'm feeding myself how I want to eat. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't sacrifice this anymore. I got to eat right. So, and bowls really helped me with that. Yeah. I mean, they, they are a great way to kind of mix and match things. So that's, that's a smart yeah. way to, yeah. to serve And I it. put, I put hot sauce on mine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So was there anything, was there more to share about the idea of a balanced meal or did we cover it? Well, yeah. Well, a balanced meal should really um, contain the three, uh, the three macronutrients, um, which are proteins, fats, and carbs. Okay. So um, we need a little bit of all of them. And most food actually has a natural combination of those. It's just higher in one than the other. And that's why we want to eat the whole food. Like if you're going to yeah. have milk, you should have whole milk because it has right. um, all three, the right. fat, protein, and the carb. Um, so, yeah, like fruit is a great, fruits are great, but um, for it to be, for that to be a balanced snack, you know, adding maybe some sort of nut butter um, will add the protein and the, and the fat yeah. to it as well. So that's really important just in terms of maintaining your blood sugar balance throughout the day. And that will just keep you in your energy, your energy level, um, you know, even and your mood even like it'll just keep you um, even keeled if you have balanced meals. And I feel like I don't know everything about this at all yet, but that was an interesting sort of aha for me when I realized that a lot of vegetables did have a lot did have more than I thought they had in them. Mm -hmm. um, and that really helped me start to be able to plan more around vegetables. Because I, you know, in my head growing up, it was like protein equaled meat, calcium meat. equaled dairy. You know what I mean? And I, even though that's not what made me feel good, I, whenever the doctor would be like, what do you mean you're not feeding your kids milk? I'd be like, I, like, I couldn't find the words <laughs> for a right. long time. But I knew that they were like, getting what they needed from the stuff they were eating. Um, it's right. just a hard, like we've told so many stories for so long. Um, it's, it's hard to know all that, but it's amazing. It's so amazing that a whole food really is complete with so many nutrients that we need. Right. Yeah. I mean, vegetables are so important because they, they do have, you know, they have proteins, they have a lot of the vitamins and minerals that we need. And then they also have the fiber which yeah. we really need. And that's the, um, so I said there were three macronutrients. Um, fiber isn't a macronutrient, but it's included, it's included in the carbs, mm -hmm. but it, it could be its own category in and of itself because it's really important in, for us to have fiber as well, um, to keep yeah. our blood, stable, blood sugar stable and also to keep us regular. Got it. So, you have a detox coming up, which we're going to figure out how to get a hold of you in a sec. But I love, I, talk to us a little bit about the concept of a detox. Um, it just so happens that I entered it, my first like big experience <laughs> was through a detox where I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like this food is powerful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and of course it was the most miserable first two days of my life, but 
on by day three, I was like, wow, I had no, like no idea. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about detoxing, why one would do it, what yours looks like, because I know there's a lot of different versions out there. Um, Well, detoxing is just really giving your body um, a break from what, what I consider detoxing is giving your body a break from processed foods, um, refined sugars, and um, just not eating consistently. Yep. So um, the, there are a lot of different levels of detoxing that you can do um, yep. from just cutting out refined food and eating whole foods to um, doing, you know, an all juice detox. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, and just to back it up one second, it, the, the whole point of the detox is to um, kind of give your liver a break and mm-hmm. um, allow it to um, uh, allow you to nourish the liver so that it can do the actual detoxing of your body. Yep. Um, so by giving it a break from processed foods and refined sugars and, you know, other things like caffeine and alcohol and stuff, it just allows it to do what it's meant to do, um, without having to deal with all this extra stuff. So it's really important because we want the liver to be able to detox, um, all of the stuff that's coming at us from everywhere. You know, there's the pesticides and um, hormones and stuff in the food that we eat if you're not eating organic um, there's just like pollution in the air there's you know like possible pollution in water that you're drinking so there's a lot that the liver has to process yeah so that's the, the whole point of, of a detox is to help your liver and do you still do it regularly too yourself I do. So there's different different levels, and um, the one the detox that I have coming up is a five day whole food detox. So it's um, more of taking the refined um, foods out of your diet and taking the gluten and dairy uh, and um, refined sugar out of your diet. So um, it's a really good detox to kind of reset your the body reset your habits and it's very family friendly um that I, that's kind of how I eat normally mm-hmm. um so for me like if I do a detox I might go an extra level and um just do like a raw food um for a week yep um you know like to take it to a different yep. to a different level or and yeah. I've tried the juicing and I'm still not um able to do uh an all juice detox because I just I have too much going on in my life to be able to sustain myself on just juice so yeah, yeah. um it's interesting though how there's lots of different levels and it, it's I think it's actually like impo- like if you can't do a juice cleanse imagine anyone listening who's going from, I think the juice cleanse gets over sensationalized. And then really, if you're coming from processed foods, doing a juice cleanse is actually kind of not probably the most elegant move. No, uh, really. Because there's a no, step in between. <laughs> there is a step in between. And also, I, f- I feel like women in particular, we're dealing with a lot of um, 
adrenal issues and hormone issues and um, which, you know, when you're not, so that's like eating the balanced meal is really nourishing for the body um, more so than having a, a juice cleanse yeah. Yeah. because you're, you need to nourish your adrenals too. And you can't, um, you can't do both if you're doing the juice cleanse. So, yeah. Yeah. and so in five days, um, is the experience that you're, you, you know, may or may not feel good for the first two days, but by the end of five days, you're feeling pretty good. Like, what do you find is the experience of that time period? Like, right. Why yeah. Five days? It's, it's almost exactly like you described your, your detox that you did. Like yeah. day one, day one, you don't really notice anything. Day two and three, you start to feel kind of um, bad. And then day four and five, you're just like really happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and uh, that's why I think it's actually very powerful. And we have quite a few people who've shared detoxes on the podcast, but you know, at different times. And I think it's a very, a very powerful thing to do as a group. Um, just because there are some days in there where you're like, what the hell am I doing? And if you're telling that to your spouse or your mother, you most likely won't get through the five days. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's really easy, right? If no one else knows, <laughs> it's yeah. really easy to, to cheat and just have. Well, my mom actually, so she went through, I used to, you know, I used to lead detoxes um, before I haven't done that in a while. And, um, I was just, my mom was, you know, one of the first people who jumped in and she actually ended up at the doctor, like, and the doctor testing her for cancer on day two, <laughs> cause she felt so sick. And I was like, oh, oh my God, like, you know, like it's incredible, but you know, and I, I feel like our medical industry isn't all tapped in yet on how food and body react to each other so he didn't right. quite know he couldn't blame it on like, the detox <laughs> yeah <laughs> so tell us maria how people can get a hold of you and i i know that when they get a hold of you they can get access to those the quinoa bowls summer quinoa bowls and the detox which is happening in, in the second half of july right so if they want to get a hold of me personally if they have any questions um to ask, they can email me at maria at urbanspicenutrition.com. And that's U-R-B-A-N, Spice Nutrition. And then to sign up for the um, Summer Quinoa Bowl, that's a free gift, um, or the Summer Detox, you can go to my website, and that's urbanspicenutrition.com. And on the first page, you'll get be guided to where you can click to sign up for either. And the summer bowls, I just have to say, we just had a really hot spell here in um, the Bay Area. And when it gets hot here, there's no air conditioning in most homes. And it's just like sun 24-7, it feels like. Mm -hmm. So I, we don't cook on those days. And so these summer bowls are really like non-cooking, except for the quinoa, non-cooking um, ideas. So yeah. they're really easy to make. So it's kind of um, raw foodie, but it's not. Um, so they're but really I love, and I think that's super useful in July and August. Cause on those days, if you know, you're not a griller or someone in your house isn't a griller, 
it's just rough to to even think what you're hungry for, <laughs> right. yeah. um, much less cook in a kitchen. So we're we're having a little cold spill, spell in New England right now, but we just came through a very hot spell. So yeah, I totally get it. And quinoa, I think, is one of the. I mean, that's something I make every Sunday, as I make a big pot of quinoa, so I have it. So I sort of always know I can pull together a quick meal. Quick meal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. I don't do that. But I, 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 what I was doing was making the quinoa in the morning mm-hmm. when it was cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then at, and at dinner time, I just had to cut vegetables and make yep. the dressing and it was done. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, I think July is a fabulous time to do a detox. So I, I recommend everybody go check out Maria's detox. Um, and I've actually also tested with Maria once her cooking classes, which is a hard thing to film. So um, yeah. I think cooking is just one of those things that we don't learn as, you know, it's not, if we don't have somebody out, uh, in our house where we grew up teaching cooking, it's not something that we learn. So I think as moms, it's just, a, or parents, if it's a dad, it's a super powerful thing to master ourselves and then be able to pass on to our kids so that they can go on and not go through all the trauma that we went through. So Check out Maria. If you go to the plansimplemeals.com site, you will see her episode and all those links will be listed there if you didn't get them. And so Maria, we end every episode with the same question. So I'm going to ask it of you. What is one meal that had a big impact on you and it could have been the food, the company, or some aha you had while sitting at the table? Um... That is a really good question. Um, I I'm gonna have to say it was it was so I this this meal I had when I was living in London and there was this deli that was down the street for me and it it was Odalangi which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of by now because he's written like four or five cookbooks but he had this little. Um, deli that just had amazing food and it was uh it was just the combinations of vegetables and the flavors that just really that inspired that was when I found out about my fibroids and the fruit basket and I was really trying to eat healthier and when I walked in there I was like oh my gosh I could come here every single day and just eat this healthy delicious food um so that's I think that was really life-changing for me. It just made me realize that there's so much, there's so many combinations that I don't even, that I didn't even realize were possible with food. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's true. Um, You know, we only know what we know and then we get exposed to all this other stuff. Right. Um, So I love that story. So thank you, Maria, so much for your time today. Um, So many awesome nuggets of wisdom. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you loved that chat with Maria as much as I did. I love when I feel so in alignment with who I'm talking to and so close to their story because our stories really are very similar where food really helped us out, helped us out of a pinch, made us feel great. So loved this talk. And as you guys know, at the end of every episode, I share three doable changes from the episode. And the point of these doable changes is to give you really actionable things that you can take with you this week and experiment and play with and make change in your life. Now, I am 
giving you three, but as you know, I highly recommend choosing one doable change a week, going with that, playing with it, fitting it into your schedule, figuring out what little pieces you need to fit into your calendar to make it work, and most importantly, have fun with it and so you can have it a sustaining change in your life. And what happens is if you focus on one doable thing a week, every week, then at the end of a year, you have 52 new amazing habits or something close to that. Some of them we end up ditching. But let's go into the doable changes from this episode. So Maria shared about quinoa bowls. So something you could do over the course of a week is try quinoa bowls. And I've talked about rice bowls a lot and how they're a really easy, adaptable meal. And so I love Maria's suggestion of the quinoa version. You guys heard that it's really important in getting her son to eat well. So you can find links um, to both my rice bowls and her grain bowls in the show notes to this episode. And all of these kinds of bowl, the concept of a bowl, they're very, very adaptable. You can use different grains, proteins, veggies, and seasonings. So if you put all these different components together, you could almost have a different meal each night. So try try that for a week in various meals. See what you like. See what your kids like. That would be a very tangible, doable change. Number two, upgrade your snacks. So remember that we need a balance of proteins, fats, and carbs. That's what Maria shared with us today. So choose whole food snacks with an aim to include all three. So an example of this is that if you're having an apple, dip it in some almond butter, right? So that adds the protein and the fat to the carbs, which is the fruit. All right. I love that tip, by the way. Okay. Three, do a five-day detox. So I feel like there's been a lot of podcast episodes that have talked about detoxes lately, and that's because they are freaking powerful. They really work. It's how I jump-started into my healthy journey. Um, I do one probably three or four times a year. And what a detox does is it gives your liver a break from processed food and refined sugars and other things like caffeine and alcohol, which weigh it down and it just allows your liver to do its job better. And so the first couple of days, as Maria and I talked about, can be really hard. So it can be really helpful to have the support of a group. So... People definitely start feeling better, if not fantastic, around day three. It's something I really do recommend, even though the first two days can be kind of brutal, even after doing it many times, let me tell you. So if you aren't ready for like the permanent give up of sugar or processed foods, try a detox. And I have to say, I don't eat much sugar or processed foods, and detox detoxes still really help my body. It just helps you sort of focus on a task, really be clear about what you're eating. Because even though, you know, I never, I don't really eat processed food. Definitely, I have crackers from time to time. And all that stuff just sort of adds up over time. So a five-day detox from wherever you are is a great practice. Um, And Maria has lots of um, ideas for that. You can find ideas at Plan Simple Meals along with a whole host of other guests we've had on this podcast. 
So again, the three doable changes from this episode are try quinoa bowls, upgrade your snacks, or do a five-day detox. Try one of those this week. See what happens. And if you want even more ideas about doable changes, you can go to my free list of 101 doable changes at plansimplemeals.com slash 101, and you will never have a shortage of ideas. You're just not allowed to do them all at once. All right, you guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at healthymomsmeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.